Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. We hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Are your prayers puny or powerful? There comes a time when you must stop talking to God about the size of your mountain and start talking to the mountain about the size of your God. You invite His presence. You proclaim His power. You stand on God's promises. It's time to revolutionize your prayer life and start moving mountains. All right, what's up, everybody? Hey, welcome to our new series, Moving Mountains. Can we make some noise and welcome Church Online? So glad you guys are here. All seven locations, Mountainside, Garwood, Somerset, Middlesex, Passaic, and Princeton. Thrilled you guys are with us. So happy you're here for our churchwide group series called Moving Mountains. And for the next 40 days, our entire network of small groups is really coming together to do a 40-day prayer challenge. Now, this all starts tomorrow, so if you're new, you're coming at a perfect time. Today is Group Sunday, and we have over 80 brand-new open small groups across all of our campus. Can we hear for our group leaders? We're grateful for you guys on the front lines. We got groups for every age and stage of life, if you're in college or you're a young adult or you want a women's group, groups for men, married couples. We've got groups in Espanol, uh, Dios te bendiga, something for everybody, all right? So small groups meet in person. Some of them actually meet online. They're hybrid. We got one for you. And here's the deal. We have a big goal as a church. We have a goal of praying 100,000 prayers as a community over the next four days. All our groups are focusing on prayer. And what we're going to do is we're going to be piling up the prayers in our Liquid Mobile app. If you have not tried it yet, it has been amazing to see thousands of you literally posting all sorts of prayer requests every morning. I was praying this week for Lamont. Lamont said, I have a big business meeting this morning at 10 a.m. Prayers needed for a successful outcome. A lot riding on this meeting. I always feel prepared with God's blessings and prayers for my liquid family. Uh, prayed this week for Heather. It said uh, she just received a liver and a heart transplant. Needs our prayers. Uh, pray for Dan. Dan said, pray for my son who's struggling with anxiety about classroom dynamics and experiencing some bullying behavior. Pray for all the students and teachers with the new school year. Man, I need you to know this, guys. I read every single one of these. All of our pastors do. And we are praying for each of you by name. Um, what we are right now is we're in a season where our church is praying some very big prayers, some bold prayers for breakthrough to really move mountains in our lives and the lives of those we love. So if you haven't joined a small group, sign up today, jump in, all right? Use the daily app. It's going to be a super powerful 40-day journey. Well, today I want to talk to you about the mountain versus the mustard seed. And if you have a Bible, I'm in the gospel of Matthew chapter 17. You can also turn in the mobile app there. Uh, before I dive into this quick show of hands, any mountain climbers with us today? Like legitimate mountaineers, okay? I don't mean you hiked up a hill at Mountain Creek, okay? I mean like you, you hiked at least 5,000 feet up. Anybody? Anybody? Like, like Mount Marcy, that'd probably be maybe some of you, okay? Take a look, there it is. In the high peaks region of the Adirondacks, highest point in New York State, elevation 5,300 feet. 
Now, quick show of hands. Anybody hike above 10,000 feet? Okay, you did a 14er. All right, one fall I was actually out in Colorado, and my friend took me to Mount Massive. Do you see it in the middle? That's the name of it. Don't you love the name? It's the second highest summit in the Rocky Mountain Range, 14,420 feet of solid stone. And in case you're wondering, did you climb it? And the answer is, yes, I did climb it for a good 15 minutes, okay? I got, I got a little winded, ran out of breath, so I, I came down. I took this photo. It's actually, this is down the valley. Beautiful, isn't it? Just absolutely spectacular. Great place to worship. And those of you who are, don't judge me for not hiking it, okay? In Colorado, the air is very, very thin, and I am not. So here, here, in, here in Matthew 17, Jesus climbs a mountain. This is probably Mount Tabor. Um, he took Peter, James, and John with him. And on the mountain, he was transfigured. just means his face kind of shone like the sun. And on top of that mountain, he talked with Moses and Elijah. And it's this, this beautiful experience, so beautiful that Peter says, can we like pitch a tent up here? Okay, can we like stay on here? Peter Lee wanted to build a shelter and just stay on top of the mountain with Jesus. But Jesus is like, no, 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 we, we can't stay on the mountain. We have, to, we have to go back down. Or people are in trouble. They need us, Peter. And sure enough, they hike from the mountain down to the valley where the other nine disciples are in a heap of trouble. Okay, a crowd has gathered. That's where our story picks up. Here's what Matthew writes in his gospel, verse 14. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, he said, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and he's, he's suffering greatly. In fact, he often falls into the fire or into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And Jesus replied, you, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How, how long shall I put up with you? You can hear his frustration with the disciples. He says, bring the boy here to me. And it says, Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and they asked them a little question. Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied in verse 20, because you have so little what? So little faith. And then Jesus says, truly I tell you. Anytime he says, truly I tell you, it means lean in and listen. Truly I tell you, he says, if you have faith as small as it, say it together, as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will what? Move. I'm telling you, nothing will be impossible for you. Amen? I love this passage. It's so helpful, especially if you are facing, you know, a mountain in your life. Anybody here got a mountain stand in front of you today? I don't mean like a literal mountain. I mean, you just got a situation in your life that's, that's too big to overcome on your own. Maybe it is a mountain massive. It's a huge challenge. It seems immovable. It looms large in your life. Maybe it's a health crisis. You know, you're, someone in your family got a bad diagnosis recently, or it's a, a financial challenge, and it's, it's huge. It's intimidating. It's impossible to move. That's what the mountain symbolizes in Jesus' uh, words here in Matthew. It's really just this, this obstacle is too big that, for you to overcome on your own. And I'm just kind of wondering, like in this season, as we kick off the fall, what is your mountain? What would it be? You know, last Sunday, Colleen and I, we had a chance to drive down and visit with our Somerset County campus. What up, Soko? And I was struck because as we, we talked with each person uh, after the service, you know, who came up for prayer, I talked with a middle-aged woman who she said, I was um, just diagnosed with breast cancer. And she said, I'm now facing chemo, surgery, and reconstruction. 
And she said, I'm, I'm trusting God, Pastor Tim, but that's, that's a mountain in front of me. And that journey is just starting for her. I, I met a young man in his 20s who actually said, pray for me, Tim. My dad and I are both recovering alcoholics. Actually said, I'm the only one in recovery. He said, I'm fighting to stay sober. I'm almost three months sober now. Praise God. He said, but it's really hard. I feel like my dad is just so lost. He doesn't have any fight left in him. Just even pray that he has the desire to get clean. Anybody have addiction in their family? It can seem like this massive mountain, impossible to move. And then there's this lovely mom. Um, she's a mother of two. She came forward with her two little boys and she had an oxygen tube in her nose. And through broken breath, she said, I need you to pray for a new lung this fall. Pray that we find a donor because I want to be here for my boys. And she cried and, and, and I cried and our heart just broke as we prayed for, for a transplant donor. That's, that's a mountain, yeah? I'm guessing each of my friends felt something like the father does here in Matthew 17. It says he, he approached Jesus and he knelt before him. Imagine this, Lord, have mercy on my son. Do, 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 do you hear the desperation in his voice? See, the context behind this text is trauma. He's got a child who's suffering. And so I imagine Jesus kind of knelt down and, and, and looked at the boy and said, what's, what's the matter? His dad, through breaking voice, says he, he has seizures. He's suffering greatly. Now, we don't know if the boy had epilepsy or if he had a brain tumor, but it was life-threatening. The father said he often falls into the fire or into the water. And I brought him to your disciples I thought they could do something, but they couldn't, they couldn't heal him. And you imagine Jesus just kind of looking over at the disciples like, mm -hmm. and the disciples are kind of just standing there and they're just kind of like, oh. <laughs> that's the thing about mountains, right? Sometimes when life hits you between the eyes and someone you love is suffering, you want to start a family, but you can't conceive and you're facing a mountain of infertility. Or you've tried counseling and therapy, and now you're actually facing divorce. It hasn't gotten better, it's gotten worse. Or maybe your mind is just overcome every day with anxiety or depression. That's the mountain my family's facing right now. My mom is going through a severe depression. She's 80 years old. She broke her hip uh, uh, in the summer. Thank you for those of you who prayed for her. We got that repaired. But the recovery's been very slow, and she's actually severely depressed. And honestly, it's very hard to see her like this because for most of her life, my mom has been just like full of joy in Jesus, very positive person. But as she's aged, her thoughts are kind of caught in this, this dark spiral, this cloud. And don't worry, she has psychiatrist, meds, very excellent care, but she perseverates on negative thoughts. How, how many of you know depression can be a mountain? But, by the way, is this okay to talk about? Or am I bumming you out? Because I came today to talk to real people with real problems. I didn't come to preach to polite church people. Listen, no, no disrespect. I'm just saying this. If, if you're here today and your life is just like all simple and straight and buttoned up and your family is 100% righteous and always blessed, if you have no contradictions, no complexities in your life, this message ain't for you. You can only appreciate what Jesus says here if you have gone through something that has brought you to your wit's end. Lord, have mercy on, how would you complete that sentence, that prayer? Lord, have mercy on my struggling business. We're running low on cash. The runway's getting shorter. Lord, have mercy on my prodigal son or daughter. 
Maybe you've got a rebellious team or young adults kind of run away from the Lord, run away from you. What would, how would you say that? I'm going to ask you to complete that in your small groups this week. Lord, have mercy on what is it? My marriage? There's conflict with your spouse? There's no peace in your home? Lord, have mercy on my singleness? You yearn for companionship? You struggle with loneliness? Have mercy on my medical situation? The doctors aren't sure what to do or the surgery hasn't come. What's the thing in your life so big right now you'd say, this is a job for God? Anybody? I mean, this, this message is for someone today who's facing a mountain, a situation that just seems impossible. It looks too big, too heavy to carry, too steep to overcome on your own. It's, it's that thing that wakes you up at 2 a.m. Anybody? Hello? Anybody? You get up at 2 a.m.? And you can't go back to sleep because you're like, oh, no, 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 oh, no. Your mind starts racing, right? And you toss and you turn and you search for a solution. You've tried everything. And you've cried out to God, Lord, have mercy on my, my, my daughter, my situation at work, my health. You know, it occurred to me when I was preparing for this, I thought, you may be here today and you're facing just a mountain of grief because you lost somebody you loved this year. And it's hard for you to imagine how life will ever go on. That, that's, that's the thing about mountains, right? Because they're so big, you can only see what's in front of you. Mountains literally block your view. You can't have any vision. You can't see the future. I just like wonder today, what's your mountain? What's the thing in your life right now that your soul would sigh? The same words as this devastated dad. Lord, have mercy on Again, this week in your group, I want you to just share with everyone, what's the mountain you're facing? And can, you, can I just tell you, be honest, okay? Our group leaders have been trained to create a, a safe place to be emotionally honest, to be real, authentic. Because God doesn't need your plastic smiles, church, okay? He doesn't need your painted faces where Christians are happy all the time. Jesus wants what's real. Listen, during this 40-day prayer journey, we're going to come together as a community, and we're actually going to carry each other's burdens. That's what this church is about. That's what your small group is for. It's to bring your real life into real relationship, and then you bring your needs together to a real God. Amen? Let's keep it real. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep it real. It's okay to be messy in the Father's house. Jesus is here. He has a heart to help his people. Look what he does here in Matthew. First, he rebukes the disciples. He's like, you unbelieving perverts. We're <laughs> like, what? Whoa! <laughs> He's like, how long do I got to put up with you guys? Bring the boy here to me. And it says, Jesus rebuked, he corrected the demon, it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Man, think about that dad in that moment. He, that dad must have danced, he's like, my, my son is healed, the Messiah did a miracle, my mountain moved. But the disciples are over here, they're being like, what? I don't get it. You said we could do this stuff, we prayed, we said spiritual stuff. We tried to help the kid, but it didn't work for us. What gives Jesus? It says the disciples came to Jesus in private. Notice they wait till the crowd goes away. <laughs> they came to him in private. You know why? Because when the crowd leaves, school starts. Class is now in session. Jesus is about to teach these guys a lesson. This is so interesting what he actually says. He says, because you have so little faith. Jesus is like, WTF, guys? Where's the faith? <laughs> and, then I, and then I imagine him, again, just in my mind's eye, I just like imagine him bending down to the ground and, and, and he picks up something very, very small and he holds it up to the mountain that they were just on. 
And he just kind of stares, stares at this thing on his finger, and he says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as what a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, mountain, from here to there, and it's going to move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Everyone say nothing. nothing. No, like you mean it. Say nothing. nothing. No thing will be impossible for you if you have this. Can you, get, can you guys see this? You probably can't even see this. Oh, because this is the secret. You want the secret to moving mountains? Jesus says, turns out you don't need something big. You don't have to be splashy. You don't need a special seminary degree for the super spiritual. No, 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 no. Jesus says, all you need is this little, itty, bitty, teensy, weensy, tiny grain right here. Faith as small as a mustard seed. You ever held a mustard seed in your hand? Yeah? No? Would you like to? Good, because we've bought a million of them. Ushers, come on down right now at all of our campuses. I want our ushers to come down. We're going to pass out your very own mustard seed, okay? You can take that. They're so small, in fact, we had to put them in these little glass vials. Hold it up when you get it. Go ahead, hold it up when you got it. And you're going to see, we didn't just give you one because they're so small. You're going to have like a dozen or so. This is our gift to all of our groups, all right? You get your own mustard seeds today. Everyone got one? Okay, hold it up when you got it. Now, if you want to be daring, pop that little cork. And can you pull one out? I'm going to lick my fingers see if I can get one to sit on my finger here. There we go. I got one. Okay. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. Can you hold it up when you got it? Do you have it? Can you see it? <laughs> Look at it right here. Okay. Here you go. Right on the tip of my finger. Okay. Everybody listening to Jesus would have known what this thing was. The mustard seed was the smallest, tiniest speck garden seed in their culture. This is literally, yeah, some of you are already dropping it. I see that. This is literally one millimeter in diameter. Everyone say teensy-weensy. Say itty-bitty. If you ain't careful, this thing, go, there it goes, there it goes. I'm dropping all over the stage now. It's going to drop through your fingers, and Jesus is making a point. He's saying, you see that mountain? Looks big, right? Mount massive. You see this, you see this seed? Looks small, right? Teeny tiny, itty bitty. He says, lean in, disciples. The potential of this seed is disproportional to the size of that mountain. They are not the same. Here's a question for you. Which of these has more potential? Your mountain or your mustard seed? I didn't ask which one is bigger. I said, which one has more potential inside? See, the mountain can never grow, right? But your mustard seed, oh, this is another story. Because this represents the potential of faith. And this one millimeter, little itty bitty teensy weensy polka dot bikini seed. Jesus is like, better be careful. Don't drop it. Do not, do not sprinkle these on your lawn. You drop this, when you go home today, you drop this on your lawn. Do you know what will happen by Friday? Oh, I'll show you. You're going to wake up in about seven days to a beautiful acres and acres of bright yellow mustard on your lawn. Going on to your neighbor's lawn, going down the whole block. Your neighbors are not going to bless you for this. It is one of the most prolific plants known to agriculture. That's the power of a single seed disguised in a very small package. I bet you had no idea this what this tiny seed could become. Did you know that seed you hold in your hand? Did you know? This is fascinating. I was kind of looking this up. Mustard actually contains every nutrient you need to survive as a human. Vitamin C, B1, B6, B, E, and K, it's full of iron, magnesium, phosphorus, selenium, and zinc. And because of the high content of antioxidants, they actually say mustard seeds can help prevent diseases like cancer, arthritis, asthma, and hypertension. 
Don't eat it, okay? Don't eat it. Don't put this on your hot dog. This is raw mustard, all right? But Jesus is like, if you are going to understand the miraculous power of faith, you got to understand how the seed works. Because it may not look like much, but it's packed with power. And he's drawing a contrast. He's like, I get it. Your mountain in this season may seem massive. And your faith seems minuscule, small. It's weak. Some of you are like, I didn't even think I was going to come to church today, man. I'm just full of doubts. I feel weak. I'm, I, I feel overmatched. But Jesus is like, what's inside of this seed is so powerful, so explosive. He said, I'm telling you, if you have a single grain, you can say to this mountain, move, and it will move. Everyone say, move. move. Everyone say, move, mountain. Move. You got to move. See, in the midst of our trials, we forget the power that your faith in Jesus Christ holds. Did you forget? The one who's inside you is greater than the one who's in the world. Amen? Did you forget? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. No thing, Jesus says, will be impossible for you. Not the cancer, not the depression. You're not a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror through faith in Christ. Make some noise if you believe it. God can do it. You have faith inside of you. You have power you know not of. I'm just telling you this. The potential of your faith is disproportional to the size of your mountain. And you may say, but Tim, Tim, you don't know, man, I got weak faith. I haven't prayed in, in weeks. My mountain is so big. My faith is so small. I'm not a preacher like you. I'm just like, I just got all these doubts and questions. Good news. Jesus says, you are now perfectly positioned for me to pour out my power. See, when it's, it's mountain versus mustard seed, God says, I'm, I'm setting the stage for a miracle. Did you know, if you don't harvest your mustard plants and you just let it grow, do you know what you get? You get this. A mustard tree grows to 30 feet wide when it's mature. Jesus actually loved to reference this. If you flip back a couple chapters to Matthew 13, he says this. He told him another parable, the kingdom of heaven, he said. It's like a what? A, a mustard seed, which a man took and he planted in his field. And though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants. And it becomes a what? It becomes a, a tree so big that the birds come and perch in its branches. And you imagine these nine guys just kind of, you know, looking down in the dirt, and they're like, man, we couldn't even kick out a single demon. And just like, I'm just, you guys don't see what's going to happen. When he held this seed up to his disciples, I wonder, did he have in mind the teeny, weeny, itsy-bitsy beginnings of Christianity? They weren't even called Christians at this point. These nine knuckleheads, they got barely a high school education. And they begin to go out, they begin to preach and teach the gospel, this, this good news that Jesus was not just an ordinary man, he was the son of God in the flesh, and that he was actually crucified on a tree on a cross. And they're like, and more than that, his body was buried in the ground, just like a seed dies. And then three days later, I'm just telling you, he was raised in power, defeating Satan, sin, death itself. And Jesus must have been like, how is this message going to spread around the world? from nine fishermen in a know-nothing backwater town like Galilee to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, spreading to the ends of the earth. And eventually that kingdom message, what we now call Christianity, it went viral. It spread explosively like a mustard seed, spreading over continents to Asia, to Europe, and eventually the entire world. The reason you're sitting here today is this. 
Over 2,000 years later, now one in three people on our planet claim the name of Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. I want you to think about that. A single seed, a broken, crucified body that went in the ground brought salvation to 2.5 billion people on this planet, one-third of the global population. Jesus is like, that's the power of faith. That's the potential of a single life that's willing to sacrifice itself. He said, I'm telling you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, just one, don't use all of them, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will what? It will move. Mountain, you got to move. And I, I love, if you read, I was reading the King James because I like to like compare different versions. In the King James, he says, if you have a single grain of a mustard seed, Jesus is like, don't use too much. Don't use too much. You, got, you know what you have in your pocket? You got nitroglycerin. He's like, man, this is, this is so concentrated in its form. Man, you blow up the planet. Listen, I'm just telling you somebody today, hold up your vial, hold up your mustard seed right now and say this with me. I have a mustard seed. Say, I have a mustard seed. And I ain't afraid to use it. <laughs> I know some of you are like, but my, my faith is so puny right now. This is all I got. Guess what? If this is all you got, that's all God needs. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, this is all I got. Now say to your other neighbor, that's all God needs. See, it's not about the size of your problem. It's about the size of your God. Amen? This seed is a picture of resurrection life. Death couldn't hold Jesus. He conquers the grave. He can conquer your cancer. In this life or next, by his stripes, you are healed. That's a promise. Addictions have to break. Broken bodies have to heal because there's power in Jesus' name. Yes? There's power in his blood. Make some noise, church, if you're ready to move mountains. Give him a praise. Hold up your seed. Hold it high. Say it with me. I have a mustard seed. And I ain't afraid to use it. See, your mountain is dead, but your seed is alive. God has given you the precious gift of a living faith. And the question is, how do you, how do you activate it? They're like, we prayed, but faith is an action verb, friends. Faith is not something you, you just proclaim and believe once. It's something you do every day. And the answer is prayer is how you actually plant the seed. For the next 40 days, guys, we're going to pray, we're going to plant, and we're going to water. Say that with me. Pray, plant, water. Praying is how you plant seeds of faith. Think about this. What happens when you plant a seed, right? It goes underground. It disappears. And you just look out every morning. You're like, eh, grass not growing. Nothing's happening, it seems. But this isn't God's economy. In the spiritual realm, you know what's happening. It's dying and germinating and coming up and eventually bursting to life, coming to life beneath the soil. And eventually when the time is right and the Holy Spirit does his thing, it actually breaks through the soil and produces blossoms. And I promise you, the prayers that you plant in the next 40 days in your groups, it's going to produce fruit. You don't even know right now. You understand, you can't move that mountain and you can't make things grow. But all you can do is plan, plant, pray, and water. And if you'll be faithful to plant your seed with other believers and water it with prayer in this season, God will bring the breakthrough. I'm just telling you, you're sitting among a garden of people with breakthrough stories, glory stories. Just ask Anthony and Karen, one of my good friends down in Somerset County. Like many young couples, Anthony and Karen, they struggle to actually start a family, right? It's just always so weird, you know? It's like in, in high school, they're like, if you just look at a girl, you'll get pregnant. And then you hit real life, and it's like, man, you know what? People struggle with infertility. And they were so excited when Karen got pregnant and equally devastated when she miscarried. 
And then when she had a second miscarriage, and then a third. And last, last year, Colleen and I, we just said, we're just going to pray with you guys regularly. You just got to put it on our heart. But it's been very hard. And if you've lost a child through miscarriage, I'm so, like, I'm so sorry as your pastor. My heart, heart goes out to you. It's devastating. But don't, don't ever give up praying. Anthony and Karen didn't. Clinton and Abby didn't. This church is full of couples who've struggled through the mountain of infertility, and God brought the breakthrough. Anthony and Karen, put the photo up. I don't know if you can see it, but they're welcoming a new baby in January. And Clint and Abby are welcoming one next month. Can we give God a praise? Because the point is this. I don't, I don't care how big your mountain is. It may feel impossible, but Jesus said, no thing will be impossible for you. Say, no thing. If you need healing, pray for it. If you need help conceiving or adopting, fast, pray for it. If you'd like to be married, find your soulmate. Don't be shy. Ask God for it. He's a good father. He loves to give good gifts to his children, and prayer is powerful. You know what the Bible says about prayer? It says the prayer of a righteous person is what? Powerful and what? Effective. I would say effective. It has divine power to demolish strongholds. Prayer is what can turn your mountain into the proverbial molehill. So pile up the prayers, people. For the next 40 days in your small groups, our job, we want to ignite, we want to set on fire and supercharge your prayer life. Because listen to me, listen to me. Those of you with polite Christianity right now, I'm just calling you all out. There comes a time when you got to stop talking to God about the size of your mountain and start talking to your mountain about the size of your God. You got to invite his presence. You've got to stand on his promises. You've got to proclaim his power. Jesus said, speak to the mountain, talk to it, tell it to move and it'll move. What are you speaking right now, mom or dad? What are you speaking over your teenager? What are you speaking over that marriage? Oh, he's never going to change. What are you saying about your business or your finances? We're going to lose everything. We're going to lose it. You've got to speak to your mountain. Jesus said, if you tell it to jump into the sea and you believe in your heart and you doubt if not, it will plant itself in the sea. You've got to believe that in your heart. Jesus said, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. Now, you're not going to abuse that verse, right? Because you watch a television preacher and it's like, I'm believing for that Tesla. I've already received it. We'll talk abusive prayers and manipulation of God in week three. But I want you to just hear the heart of it. I just want to preach. For some of you, I just, I'm like, I want, to, I want to raise your faith today. I had a father come up to me. Sometimes I need that. I'll just be honest. I talk to so many of you just like, when you see the amount of pain and struggle people are dealing with. But I had a father speak hope into me last week because he came up to me he was like last in line waiting to pray and, and he was crying and I said, oh, this is going to be heavy. And I said, what's, what's, what's going on? He said, no, these are tears of joy. It's like, what? He goes, the last time you and Colleen prayed for me, do you remember my daughter was in a deep depression? And then I was like, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. She said she had dropped out of school. Massive mental health crisis. Everything was falling apart. And he said, let's keep praying and then we went to a season of fasting as a church, and, and so I just kept praying. I just, I just came up here to let you know, not only she's back in school, she's reconnected to her faith. She's got a great group of friends. She's thriving. And I'm just telling you, don't give up, mom or dad. Your son or daughter is not just your kid. They're a child of the Most High God. So they may be struggling right now, and they're kind of dragging you through hell, and you may be like, I, I never expected this, but hell has no claim on your child. 
Prayer is how you bring the power of heaven into your problem on earth. So guys, it's time for us to quit playing defense and go on the offense. When you hit your knees in prayer, God says, now I can go. Now I can fight your battles for you. Guys, this is how you wage war in the spiritual realm. Prayer is actually how you pick a fight with the devil. Revelation 12, I love this verse. It just jumped out at me this week. It says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. That's a sacrifice of Jesus, but that's not it. It says, and by the what? The, the word of their testimony. A testimony means God has given you a glory story to tell. It's something incredible in your life that, that's only attributable to the power of God. And I just believe like in the next 40 days, God's going to give some of you a, a new glory story. You're going to get a brand new testimony. Not for your glory, but for his. Amen? Believe him for breakthrough. Believe on his promises. For all of God's promises, Paul writes, have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Everyone say yes. And amen. Say amen. amen. We are in a mountain-moving season, church. Give God a praise if you agree. Hold up that seed. Hold it up. Say it with me. I got a mustard seed. I ain't afraid to use it. Even if it's a smidge, a speck, you got doubts if this is all you got. I just came to tell you this is all God needs. I'm speaking life over you today. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. I don't care what the lawyer tells you tomorrow. I don't care what the medical report or the scan says. Doesn't matter how red your bank account is bleeding. We know because Jesus was raised from dead in all things. Everyone say all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Amen? Now, this is important. I'll end with this. We got a lot to teach you about prayer over the next six weeks. And some of you, I've been praying behind your back for the last three weeks, I would say. It's like, Lord, would you just stir up a new hunger in our church? Not for polite prayers, but a new prayer habit. Will you, you actually find yourself hungry in the morning? Not to check social or ESPN, but actually hungry to be in God's presence. And I'm believing some of you are actually going to see the breakthrough that you've been seeking. I, I, I'll talk about this next week. I felt my spirit. I'm not like super prophetic, but I just felt my spirit. There's some of you who have dreams you gave up on. Like two or three years ago, because you prayed for them and you believed for it and it didn't happen. In fact, it got worse. COVID happened. They were just blown away. And I just felt like God said, I'm going to restore some broken dreams in this church. While others of you, God may not change your circumstance. In the next four days, he's going to change your heart. Because as you pray and, and you open up your hands, you say, not my will be done, but yours be done. Oh man, that's going to change everything. Because you're going to actually see God's will and want his glory ahead of yours. But if I could give you one word of warning for the series, it would just be, don't do this alone. You need to get in a group if you're not already in one. And here's why. I'll close with this. Jesus said there's such a thing as compound prayer. Simple prayer is where I pray all alone by myself. Here's my seed. But compound prayer is when you combine your seed with my seed and your seed and your seed and we actually pray together. And Jesus made this promise to his disciples. He said, if, if two of you, how many? Two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or how many? Two or Three, gather my name, there I am with them. That's, that's the power of compound prayer. When I combine my seed with Mike's seed, with Kyra's seed, with Alex's seed, with Keon's seed, oh, watch out. 
Jesus says, I, I multiply the miracle in their midst. So don't you dare pray alone. Be sure you get in a small group with other believers and unite your faith with theirs. And then you plant, and then you pray, and then you water together. I had a beautiful story about this one small group in our church where one of the women had to undergo surgery. And Danielle was telling me they didn't just pray for her. Their small group created a 24-7 schedule so they could cover her in prayer every minute she was on the operating table. And each small group member signed up for a shift. They actually created a prayer circle around her. And, and she said, you know, as I was going under, I experienced total peace knowing my group was covering me in prayer. And the surgery went flawlessly. What's my point? You need to unite, unite your faith and prayers with other believers like Jesus did. I told you, we're gonna, we got a big goal as a church. We're trying to plan 100,000 prayers in the next 40 days on this mobile app. So starting tomorrow, you type in your prayer. I'm going to pray for you. You plant your seed. I'll be on the app every single morning. So are pastors. We're going to pray for each of you by name. We're going we're gonna to pray for Tawana. She said, I'm praying and placing my faith in God for the complete healing of my lungs. We're going to pray for Carl, that God would protect my daughter while she's in detox and that he draw her heart to him and give her the desire to find her hope in God instead of her addiction. We're going to pray for Jeff to get my company through this challenging stage of low cash flow and sales and that God continues to bless what we're doing. We're going to pray for Carla, like a lot of young couples, praying for a home for my husband and I and God's perfect timing so we can have our own space and start our own family. We will pray for every single one of you and I need you to pray for me too, okay? We're going to do it together. You ready to do this, church? You ready? Now listen, before you go out to meet the group leaders at your campus, I want to pray for you and our leaders. And if you're physically capable, just at our campuses, even if you're at church online, would you do this? Let's pray on our knees. If you can physically do it, okay? Let's get down and kneel because kneeling is just this beautiful sign of surrender. Saying God is too much for me. It's a sign of humility, of just admitting we're weak, but he is strong. He's sovereign over all, even this thing you're going through. We are not bowing before a mountain. We're bowing before a mountain moving God. And so, Father, we come before you and I ask, would you consecrate us? Would you purify our motives, Lord? There's some selfish motives in me that just got to get ripped out by the roots, Father God, so that I can pray in accordance with your will and which your goal is and your, your will and purpose for my life, my family. But I'm praying the same right now over every man and woman on a knee. Father, we're bowing down because you alone are worthy. You are sovereign. You are all powerful and you conquered the grave. And in Jesus' name, would you stretch out your hand to bless my brothers and sisters. Move mountains, God. I pray for glory stories all over this church, not for our glory, but for yours. I pray for dead marriages to be resurrected, God, where there are dashed dreams on the floor for children. Raise them to life, heal, Father, and restore broken bodies in this church. Stretch out your hand to do signs and wonders and miracles in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And may he get all the praise and all the glory from your children. We love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. 
Thanks again for listening.